I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Inshallah, if you enjoyed this podcast, then I would like to invite you to become a paid subscriber. When you become a subscriber, you can unlock exclusive podcast episodes just for you. And inshallah, your support will mean that I can continue this service, which I've been providing for free for many years. And inshallah, we really need more Islamic podcasts that discuss the challenges that Muslim women and girls face. So hit the subscribe button today and instantly you will get access to so many more episodes. Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to the Niqabi Dari series by the pen, the sound of sisters raising their voices with the written word. I'm your host Samar and thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to another episode of By the Pen. Alhamdulillah, we have with us a return author. Alhamdulillah, last time I spoke with her about her single Muslim book, and inshallah today she'll be talking about some of her recent books that she's released and her latest book, inshallah. I'll let her introduce herself, inshallah. This is Sister Farhat Amin. So could you please introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a little bit about what you do, inshallah. Oh, assalamu alaikum. Uh, summer for having me on again. Um, it's always a pleasure. Um, yeah, so my latest book is called Smart Teenage Muslimer, and it's really there to provide an alternative to um, teenage Muslim girls, an alternative to like the really um, un-Islamic ideas that are pushed to them and they're encouraged to um, adopt. So things like being very promiscuous um sexualizing yourself and then also ideas such as being um secular the idea of you know islam should not take be a large take a large role in your life or be something that you would want to follow that's something that i think um a lot of teenagers they're encouraged i think generally teenagers um muslim or non-muslim are encouraged to you know embrace those ideas but what we find is that inevitably, if you're living in an environment, and I think it's global, really, in the East and the West, where that as a teenager, those are the ideas that you are um, being encouraged through popular culture to adopt. It's inevitable that our girls and daughters and nieces and cousins, they are adopting that. So I wanted the purpose of the book was to provide show that there is an alternative to that lifestyle. Fantastic, mashallah. I think that's definitely really important. And I can absolutely relate having a teenage daughter myself, alhamdulillah. I'm sure a lot of parents would, um, you know, you know, would need this kind of advice and encouragement to help their their daughters and even sons as well. I'm, I'm sure that's something you've probably thought about too. So uh, what would you say at the moment was 
you know, your inspiration to actually start writing this book? Well, I've been interested in this subject as a high school teacher. I taught in girl only schools and in, in, in one school in particular, there were, it was majority Muslim girls at that school. And I was having, when I compared my own teenage years to what they were going through and just how different things had become. So just as an example, the idea that you need to have a boyfriend, it was, it's the norm now that even if they weren't going to do it, because as Muslim, Alhamdulillah, the really good thing about Muslims is that we're still adhering to many rules. And a lot of the girls, I found that uh, they weren't, they didn't have boyfriends, but there was this dream that, you know, and this mirage of, yes, if I had a boyfriend, I would be happier and I would be, you know, I'd have someone to love me and someone who would buy me gifts and someone who would be showing me attention. And that was like a something they were aspiring to have but they weren't doing it because they were Muslim and um and the thing is that you not only have that in you know like we grew up and, and you see it now on Netflix every single teenage movie the girl has to have a boyfriend she's either trying to get a boyfriend or she's trying to change the way she looks so she can get a boyfriend or the other thing that you now have is being a lesbian is fine as well that you can that's become normalized you know there's um there's a very famous um book um not book it's a, it's a movie called um um it's regarding who came look who's come for dinner uh, I, i've forgotten the exact title but it, it, this was in, made in the 70s mm-hmm. and it was and the whole premise was that there's an um, american um white woman who she then has um a boyfriend who's um um black who's you know um uh, this is set, set in America and she brings him to dinner for Christmas and then there's a big uproar because the parents are shocked and now there's a new modern version of that and but this time instead of it being um a black man who now is, is, is supposedly racism uh is 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 less in America which it, as we know it isn't she then has a lesbian girlfriend and so that's just one example if, as things are moving on for Muslim or non-Muslim, they're the ideas that are being normalised and encouraged. And what we need to realise is our girls are not immune from that um, influence. And we can either, as parents, we can either bury our heads in the sand and think, oh no, our girls, my daughters aren't going to do anything like that. Or they're not affected, they're Muslim. So as if that's some kind of force field, just being a Muslim Mm. will protect you. And unfortunately, it's not. We, as parents, we we do have to do more. And and the purpose of my book is not to like scaremonger and put fear into parents so they will buy my book. That is definitely that that's not something I do. It's more to when we can see there's a problem, we need to understand it and then find out. Okay, what's the Islamic solution to this, and how can I help my daughter or my niece or my sister? And that's what I'm hoping to achieve, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah, subhanAllah. Yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you've included this topic particularly in your book as well, but there's also the other issue of the trend, uh, um, the quick rise actually of the K-pop industry as well, because that's influencing a lot of um, young, you know, Muslims too. It's something that I've seen recently. I mean, obviously when we was in school, there was, you know, different boy bands and things like that. So it's like, you know, this is something that I see a lot of girls, they're getting interested in now as well. And that kind of pushes um, pushes along with these same ideas that you've mentioned, you know, about, you know, young girls needing to have a boyfriend and things like that. And obviously the then the whole alphabet community issue as well is also another big deal too. And another big challenge for a lot of Muslim parents now as well, which some are unfortunately extremely unaware that, you know, this is happening in probably even in their own homes with the internet and things like that. You don't know, sometimes you don't have any any control of what your children are, um, are really even doing, um, you know, if, as much as you would like. Um, a lot of parents do let their children, teenagers especially, have mobile phones and things like that. Whereas, in you know, in the past, it was as easy as our parents telling us, well, you know, I don't want you going here and I don't want you going there, you're going to stay in the house. But now it's like your child could be in the house all the time. And they could be involved in all sorts of fahisha that, you know, you know, beyond your imagination, you know, you wouldn't even realize unless you were literally on top of them monitoring everything that they get up to online as well. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. It's, and I think that what's important is how do we react to what is happening in wider society? That's the question that we need to, as Muslims, we need to think about that it's, it's not going to go away. If if anything, it's it's getting worse because if we look historically, things are like you said, the shamelessness um, from the nineteen sixty sexual revolution to now, it has it, it's it, it gets worse. As non-Muslims, when you are following your desires, but in particular, if we um, okay, not all non-Muslims are bad. So let's say be more specific. So when very liberal um people so someone who's liberal who they believe in individual freedom they believe in individualism that i can do whatever makes me happy as long as i am not harming anyone else that that's that's like the philosophy behind it and so but what they ignore is that when for example okay so they decide to okay they're having they have a boyfriend and then they are um they have multiple partners and so you're ignoring, okay, we can see that well, there's the STDs that happen because if a person chooses to um, not protect themselves whilst they're having a relationship, that can cause STDs. But there's also the emotional, um, you know, this idea of having a boyfriend and then you break up and then somehow as if mentally it's not going to affect you, you then just go and get another boyfriend mm -hmm. and then you have a physical relationship with them and then you they break up with you. And then, you, because that's the cycle that they're encouraging that is not good for men or women's mm -hmm. mental health mm -hmm. at all to, to ignore that you know and they're ignoring that as if somehow you're just it's all fun when actually it's not fun because girls in particular they get very women get very emotionally connected when they have a relationship and um, and this is based on studies and men may just they'll have the physical relationship well let's talk about teenage boys they will have the physical relationship and they're quite happy to uh, they don't connect as much now, so just taking the women, because that could relate to men and women, but just taking a young, um, inexperienced, you know, 15 year old who th this is what she's being encouraged by the movies and the books that she's reading. Well, and the shows and her friends as well and celebrities, everyone is telling her you should do this. But then when she does do this. It has an effect on her um, her self-esteem. You know, it has, you know, does she start thinking, well, if I want to keep the boyfriend, do I need to agree to things that he's saying, which are physically, whether it's, you know, doing things in bed that she doesn't want to even just sleep. She may not want to mm. sleep with a guy. And I think a lot of Muslim girls, they don't want to do that. They might just be looking for companionship. Um, but then they think, oh, if I, to keep him, I have to do this. Or to keep him, I have to dress more provocatively. Or to keep or to get a boyfriend, I need to change the way I look. I have mm -hmm. to sexualize myself. Because that's what's, if you sexualize yourself, you are more popular. Yes. And all of it, uh, and this is one of the premises of my book, that when, let's look at this lifestyle and these ideas, and let's see, are they good for your mental health? Are they good for your well-being? And then also, are they good for your akhirah? And on all counts, it's a no for all of them. So that, inshallah, I think it's, I, I think our, our girls are very intelligent and they just, there just aren't enough voices giving the Islamic alternative and crit and critiquing and questioning that lifestyle that they're being told to adopt, that this somehow you have to be, you know, um, this beauty myth of being very thin, you know, very skinny, mm -hmm. um, being very, you know, as it, uh, again, it's a very, you know, we all got a picture in our mind of whether it's, um, you know, um, I forgot, I, I don't pronounce her name, Zay Zaydana, is it? Um, the girl, for, the actress from, um oh goodness me from spider-man it's oh, say something yeah I, I know who you're talking about but i, I can't yeah. i don't know her name i can't pronounce it it's really bad and you said uh but it's certain actresses at the yes. moment are really being um um pushed you know whether it's uh you know okay beyonce she's too old now and so mm -hmm. is um uh the other woman i've forgotten her i'm, I'm really bad things i don't keep up with celebrities this is why i can't exactly. think of the names exactly. but i think in anyone yeah Anyone listening to this will know there are certain faces and a certain, the Kardashians, for example, a certain body image, you know, a certain lifestyle um, that is encouraged to women and young girls in particular. And the whole, this is why I, I felt I had to write this book was 
because there wasn't uh, there was no other book like this out there uh, and i'm not saying this is a selling point i'm saying this is a genuine um i when i wrote smart single muslima i had some mums contacting me and saying do you have something for younger girls yes and i was thinking oh there must be something out there for young for teenage mm. girls there's so much there's so much literature and again what you have alhamdulillah you you will have so for example like i speak i've written a, a hot, very long chapter on puberty yeah. so you will have um the thick of puberty books which is a- absolutely brilliant we need that mm-hmm. you'll have books about um you know um sexual ethics in islam mm-hmm. um you will have that um but you won't have uh, it's it's they're not covering modern 21st century ch- challenges that, that girls are going that, that's the issue so and, and I don't don't think a young girl would read the thick of puberty, unfortunately. Um, but what I am co- in the book, I do then inco- I'll discuss everything related to puberty. But then I do encourage them that you need, need to learn about, you know, based on the school of thought your family uh, follows. You then need to find, learn the details. Yes. But this is the thing that I think we, I think as Muslims, we need to address. Um, the, the current issues that are happening so again I have a whole chapter on gender identity and um, you know LGBTQIA because that is what is being um, taught in college in schools exactly. and then and via popular culture yeah definitely it's fun it's good that you mentioned about your previous book actually because I had I myself had bought smart single Muslim and not for myself but actually for my daughter so um you know and like because you know she's nearing her 20s but I was thinking this would be a good book for her and I like I bought the book and I thought I'm going to read it first so because I just wanted to know (laughs) what does this book cover and you know is it hitting all the spots and for me I thought it was definitely like a really really good book but um you know I can understand obviously why other parents reached out because obviously there's definitely so many issues like you mentioned that are really kind of plaguing the you know the lives of young muslim women and the problem as well is that a lot of them don't see it as a plague they see it as that's their normal life now when they're going to school and things like that you know their friends are engaged in these things it could be other muslim girls it could be um you know friends that they have that are not muslim as well obviously so and you know i i found personally that you know there's multiple issues um, even within the school system itself, when our children are mixing in schools, um, even if it's a madrasa, for example, because, you know, sometimes, you know, you hear parents saying, oh, well, you know, don't copy, um, you know, this kid because they're not Muslim, um, you know, or this person is doing this thing because they're not Muslim. And I've had a lot of parents explain away certain behaviours based on the fact that somebody's not Muslim. But the reality is we do have Muslims in the community who are less practicing or maybe not practicing Islam at all. And their children may be involved in certain things which are um, not correct. And even from practicing families as well, we shouldn't you know, think too much of ourselves if we are practicing Islam you know, properly that, um, or to the best of our ability that our, our children are not you know, basically getting involved in certain things which are completely haram because it happens. I've met young girls who unfortunately have fallen into even getting pregnant and having abortions without the knowledge of their parents, you know, Muslim girls who are wearing hijab. And, you know, so these are some of the issues that are happening under their under their own parents' you know eyes, but without the parents realizing that this is what the daughter's actually going through. So it's almost like you in one household you can have, you know, it's like they're living parallel lives. You know, it's like two different universes, but in like one house. You know, so it's it's good you've written this book. I think there needs to be a connection for the parents to like you know come to where the point where the children the young girls are especially and you know meet them at their reality and the things that they are facing Mm, yeah that that is so true it's I think uh, sometimes parents can they just think of their own upbringing and they think that their children will be doing the same as them and it's partly it's not it's you know if you don't make an effort to find out what is going on in your teenage child's life they will then you know that they'll just hide it from you or think or they or they may think if I tell them anything you're just going to get shouted at or I'm going to get told off and then they won't tell you anything 
and then who are they then going to advise for because at school the the school system will be very they will open their arms up to any child who says that my parents are too strict religiously too strict you know and they will they will get so much love and empathy and advice that is all un-islamic in that they'll say yeah you should be able to choose what you want to do you don't need to you know you've got your own journey to go through you don't have to follow what your parents say so this is what muslim parents are up against and we need to wake up to this and the thing is it's not easy i i completely understand because my my children are now older but having gone through that it's not an easy task to be a parent who wants their child to obey Allah, to love Allah, to follow his rules. But if we want to get Jannah, you know, paradise is at the mother's feet, but it's, that does also include effort. And that's the, and this is this uncomfortable feeling that we're going to get when we find out that our children are doing certain things or having to talk to them about. So for example, I I have a chapter on Islamic sex education Mm -hmm. because there is so little of it out there for young teenagers and the point is if we're not going to teach them we can't say oh we don't want the school to teach them but we're not going to bother teaching them ourselves so where are they going to learn they're going to learn it from school and they're going to learn it from shows like sex education on netflix or Mm -hmm. every other show on netflix to be honest Mm -hmm. um so but we have to do it and and i thought okay if i i'll just i'll write all everything about puberty and sex education so if a parent doesn't feel they've got the tools to do it or it's just give them my book and read it and then you can then talk to them after that um but let's this is what again that's another thing and that was the most I left that chapter to the last yes because I was I didn't want to write it even I was thinking oh man I just oh I'm gonna and I had to read so much and um uh, it took a very long time and it's not nice Mm. who wants to write about that but it's so necessary um so inshallah, I really have, like, and I turned that chapter into a course because I thought, okay, if some people prefer to have it read, said to them and then add more details to it. And I thought at least, you know, because one of the things that I've found is that it's e- complaining about the problem is so easy. You know, I could, uh, I could sit for hours and, but I thought make, providing a solution is harder, mm-hmm. but let's start providing solutions for the ummah, you know, um, and that if someone then asks me I can say look do the course read the book yeah this will help you inshallah and I wish I'd had it when I was um when my kids were teenagers okay so um where is your book available sister oh okay so you can buy it from Amazon and um that's that's where you can get a paperback from you can get the ebook from google play books right and so that's internationally um, that's most countries I will be, um, and then you can also go to smartmuslima.com and um, that's where I'll be then putting the links for once. It's, for example, uh, the Kindle, that should be available soon. But again, I still know that um, not everyone can, Amazon doesn't publish, send everywhere. It should be available on Book Depository soon as well. So they're the three places. Okay, inshallah. Okay, inshallah. So, um, what would you say um has been your biggest challenge while writing this book in particular? I think it was to, uh, to to stop <laughs> to stop writing as to stop adding chapters because mm. there were so many. Like for example, there were so many areas that I could have talked about, but I thought I have to be realistic as far as if I if a, a teenager is given a book the size of an encyclopedia, they're not going to read it. Yes, and um. Yeah. So I thought, and I have to, there are certain, for example, I didn't include a chapter on social media addiction and, you know, yes. just general um, mobile phone use, smartphones, because I was thinking they probably hear that a lot, that, mm. oh, get off your phone, don't be on your mm. phone so much. But the thing is that nowadays, so much is online as far as, I'm just thinking, you know, with its education, schools have, they tell you to go online to do your work, to do research. And a lot of people, since COVID, people's, you know, your friendships are, are mainly on there. So I didn't dedicate a whole chapter to that. What I did do throughout, you know, uh, the, ch- the chapters, I was in, I have encouraged to think about how they use it, you know, who they follow, 
how much of an effect it's having on them. You know, I provided um, statistics regarding studies about the connection between, uh, especially, especially for young um, girls, depression and um, self-esteem and, you know, how they view their body image and the connection that has to the amount of time they spend online. So it would have eased, because I thought it's, I think it's gone, once you're a teenager, it's very easy to, you know, have a phone and your parents won't even know about it, or you could be at college or school and you can be online. And so I thought that fight with trying to get them off their phone is kind of lost, but how encourage them to, because soon they'll be, you know, they'll be adults, complete, like properly mature adults. And they need to then think, learn for themselves. How am I going to manage my usage where it's not make I'm not so dependent on it. I think that's the thing that, and if I am on it, am I, there's a positive way to use, you know, my device and devices. So that, for example, so that was a challenge to, you know, even like, for example, you mentioned the K-pop again, that could have been the whole um, boy band culture and, and, and that could have been a chapter as well, but I thought I'm just, yeah, I thought I'm just going to keep it. I've tried to keep it to the essentials Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, so for example, I did include a chapter on Muslim misrepresentation, mm-hmm. specifically of young Muslim women, because I think that is very um, important. Because how they, the image that it's, it's so interesting, the the characters in TV shows and movies, um, there seems to be in particular, like we know that Muslim men are portrayed as being violent, you know, controlling. Um, backward you know misogynistic that's like but then for young women it's it's again they're encouraging them to embrace you know freedom like take off your hijab you know be very be an ally to lgbtq uh, you know be rebellious you know it's so interesting and what I provided was like I just did like five short case studies to prove my point and it was so easy to prove the point because I thought, wow, this isn't by coincidence that every single show is that an idea. And that's what girl. And so if that's the only Muslim teenager you're seeing, it's um, you can then think, oh, yeah, wow, I'm being represented. But uh, what I want us all to think about as well, actually, is that the representation we really want? What's the agenda behind this? Um, So, yeah, so Alhamdulillah, I was happy to the challenge was to finish and just editing takes a, a formatting takes that's the boring bit i yes, i must yes. admit i find that very yes, it is definitely <laughs> and um yeah but alhamdulillah thank Allah i was able to my health was good enough to to complete it and um yeah alhamdulillah i'm i'm i i feel like quite um proud of what i've done inshallah may Allah accept my efforts um so yeah so alhamdulillah that was the uh, that was the challenge Alhamdulillah. So, um, and who would you say have been your biggest supporters during the course of writing this book? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, Well, alhamdulillah, I think, um, well, it's interesting. When I first started to put the idea on my social media, I was, I was, you know, you can think something's a good idea, but you really don't know. You think, you know, it could be a complete flop. But when people like so and people, sisters in particular online on, on Instagram, they were very positive. They made me think, OK, yeah, this is good. And then 
on Twitter, alhamdulillah, of um, fathers, um, they really said, yeah, this would, because I, I do think there was such like an attack on Muslim, on the role of Muslim fathers. Definitely. And they were saying, yeah, there, uh, there isn't a lot out there. So alhamdulillah, and, and, what, uh, and I've already, like the bookshops that were stocking my previous books, um, they then, they, they straight away, without even seeing a copy, they said, yeah, we want to place an order. And I said, are you sure? You haven't even read it. And they said, no, we trust your, you know, we read your previous book and we trust you. And I was like, like that was a very, I thought, oh, that's, um, that's, I'm going to write this then. I'm going to make sure. I, that helped me to write it quicker mm -hmm. as well, because I thought if they feel, you know, and, and then what they also said was that there is, there we don't have any book like this. And it, we know parents um, would really like this. I think one of the reasons why a book like this doesn't exist is I do cover so-called controversial subjects. Mm -hmm. They actually aren't controversial, you know, sex education, um, gender identity, but they, uh, for some reason, um, not many Muslim writers are tackling it. And I don't know whether they think they will be criticised or... And the point is, I've when I was reading books by non-Muslims on this subject, who they may still be okay, they are still liberal, but they can they disagree, they can see the problems that you know sexualization or um, trans, you know, the whole um, idea of tra tra transitioning, teenagers transitioning. But to be honest, even um, a lot of the trans activism. Um, they can their point and even the sex there's a really good book about the problems of sexual revolution so they're writing books questioning this and i thought well if they're doing it then muslims we haven't even they don't even have an alternative to these things but we do so it's important that we should also discuss these and provide the islamic alternative so that not just for muslims but also for non-muslims so so although i'm focusing on uh the situation that Muslim girls face in particular, if we look at teenagers, because if I, I'm thinking back to when I was um, a high school teacher that I was so surprised by how, uh, if, if I looked at the, the, my teenage students who, mashallah, they were really, they were really nice girls, but many of them, they, um, I remember this one time I went into a classroom and the girls were there at lunchtime and they were, if you looked at them, you'd think, they, how are they they're just so so provocatively they're wearing loads of makeup their head they were all they were doing their hair with makeup and they were wearing really short skirts and their blouses were kind of open and these were only like 13 14 year olds and then I was just getting on with my putting some stuff up and then I just started to talk to them and then they were really sweet, lovely girls. And they were putting lots of hairspray in their hair. And you know when you, you brush it, back brush it? And then I would just said to them, I go, you know, that's really bad for your hair. And um, they were like, yeah, I know. And then I said, you know, that amount of hairspray, it's going to kill your roots. And then we got talking. But what they, they just felt they had to look that way. If they wanted to be popular, if they wanted boys to like them, and if they just wanted to be, you know, in the in crowd, they felt they had to do that. And I felt it so sad for them that, and so they were, instead of focusing on their education or just being happy with the, the way they looked, that's what they would spend their time doing. And I used to see the way the boys would treat them. So boys are taught to treat girls as if they are, you know, just objects. And they would speak so rudely to them. Once I remember a boy, like, getting a girl and literally shoving her, like, shoving onto the wall, like, nearly pulling her, mm. uh, you know, her, her blouse nearly tall. And then I report, and what really shocked me was how the girl just took it. And then I reported him and, and I spoke to him really harsh to say, you don't treat girls like that. But it was just out of one ear, out of the other. But that was normal behavior. And, um, and I thought that's really sad that those girls, that's all that, that's the, like the path they're going to follow because they have no alternative. And I know as Muslims, it's, we can sometimes feel, um, slightly apprehensive to sh tell people about our social system our social rules but if we do have friends if we do have you know um like instead of for teenage girls they should feel like very like confident that they when they're following Allah and they're obeying Allah's rules that not only will make them 
more confident and and have better self-esteem they then can give that alternative to their friends who are feeling this pressure and but at the moment what's happening is our girls are feeling the pressure and then they're conforming to that very you know um unhealthy sexualized lifestyle they're then following that so I think it really I hope in Charlotte that this book will like encourage other people to talk about this subject and not shy away from saying Islam yes we have the truth and this is our this is the truth you know it's not my truth it's the truth of Allah exactly. and the prophet exactly. and we they we we really need to convey that to them you know in an intelligent you know not in a I, what I don't like is um, it's easy to look down, you know, on girls who, you know, they're not dressed correctly or they they have a boyfriend or they, they've got into drugs or they're drinking. You know, there's all those things. Mm-hmm. I, I do feel that those uh, they're looking for something to make them, you know, any kind of addiction is you get into that because you feel unhappy. You know, you don't know what else, what alternative is there? How else can I gain solace? How can I, where can I turn to, to solve my problems? And so if we can show, you know, young girls that actually Islam can solve your problems, you don't need to talk, turn to all those other, you know, um, behaviours. They ultimately will not help you because you'll reach a high and then you come down and then you feel even worse and you feel, oh, I have to do this even more. So it's, but that that's uh, uncomfortable conversations that we're not having in the community. Exactly. And oh no, Alhamdulillah, I'm sure I'm sure people are. No, that's arrogant of me to say they're not. I'm sure they are happening. Well, I think they're I not think... happening enough. And I think, look, a little bit, for example, we have um, Ustad Abu Ta- Abu Taymiya. I know he's been talking quite a lot and mm-hmm. highlighting a lot of these issues. And there are some brothers online. That, um, I think he, the Sunnah guy as well. I've seen some things from him as well. And definitely, there's there's different um, you know brothers in the community talking about certain issues. But I think at the level, um, you know, obviously for, for women. And you know what you what you're doing for obviously for young girls with regards to this book, and we need more sisters to actually be more kind of outspoken about certain things. Because I think when when you look at the communities on the base level, um, it's that sisters who are involved in a lot of, like things that are happening, um, is most of the time it's for sisters in general and not specific towards teenage girls and really kind of looking at where they're coming from and understanding the situation that is at the moment because and, and this is the problem there's there's a gap that is not being covered you know I think um it's like I remember being involved in some kind of um, some projects in the community and um, with the Islamic Centre in Newcastle and they used to, like every year they would have um youth sessions so you would have um like in the summer holidays for example a camp for boys camp for girls and it'd be like a week each where you know they have kind of activities and you know kind of um, lessons with obviously Islamic um, you know um, teachings obviously framework in there and stuff like that for um, for girls and for boys and the issue that we were facing really was that they, they the age range for boys was um, ele- I think it was from 11 to 16 and for girls it was also 11 to 16 and I did mention to the brothers who were organizing the problem with the um, the girls is that you cannot put girls age 11 to 16 in the same category and the reason why is that there's a divide in that in that age group you could have girls which for example we we would have often girls coming from the same family so their sisters for example and um you know maybe one sister would be 11 and the other one would be 16 the 16 year old does not want to do any activity that's related to the 11 year old whereas with the yeah. boys Whereas with the boys, you wouldn't have that problem. They could be two boys, the 11 year old and the 16 year old. It wouldn't be a big deal. You know, the boys would kind of just get on with it. Even if the brothers didn't want to do an activity together specifically, it wouldn't be the same as with the girls. Literally, it's like they didn't even want to be in the same, like the, the older sister wouldn't want to literally even be in the same room as her sister, knowing that they're doing the same kind of activity. Do you see what I mean? So it's like, but I was saying for them, like they need to have like a more like a the tween kind of thing. So like for girls, they would have needed two groups, okay. but the community itself couldn't facilitate that because there weren't enough um, volunteers in. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that activities. So this this was the problem that we was having. So as a result, um, what would happen sometimes is that 
you know, a lot of um, some of the older girls would lose interest in joining because for them they they felt it as something like, oh, that's for that's for that's for little girls. That's not for that's not for somebody my age kind of thing. And then you know, um, so at the, but the, with the boys that was like less of a challenge because boys in general their activities a more um i don't know you could say maybe a little bit more streamlined they're kind of you know they, they, it's like it's more basic there's like yeah there's sports they're interested in you can put them in the same class and talk about a subject it's not going to be so much like you know they definitely there's going to be certain things that obviously you could talk to older boys that's going to be facing them whereas young boys maybe they haven't experienced yet but still with boys in general it's you know there's a less of a divide in that age bracket than there is for girls in general you know and there's more like cohesiveness where they can get on and you know they mix very well together but with girls it just wasn't like that so I think you know these are just some of the issues that you know and and in some families as well like you know I remember when I was growing up I mean there's about four years difference between me and my sister my younger sister and so like we grew up you know um well I was a Christian so we was got we were growing to going to church and things like that and my parents always used to dress us the same and it's like I don't know if you've noticed the difference now in the Muslim community but that is not something that I don't think Muslim parents can get away with doing at all now most parents can't get away with doing that at all now because they you know is dressing your children the same is almost like you know oh you're, you're it's like it's part of them you're stripping away the identity of your you know your children or even giving like the hand-me-down clothing and things like that a lot of children now young people this is something that you know they despise being done you know so it's like this like he said there's a, such a big push towards individuality and you know identity specifically or you know you're free to do what you want and you know you have to live your life as you choose so this kind of individualism is affecting the children at a very you know grassroots level from a very young age and especially with the girls and you know where I like that you touched on the story with the with the hair as well doing hair so even at the detriment to their own like um health they'll do things to themselves so almost like you know they 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 believe that they're becoming um, more individual but the reality is they're becoming robotic they're just doing something different to what their parents are have encouraged but they're going towards you know what has been pushed in in the media and you know otherwise and they're becoming almost like products themselves they don't they don't see it like that but that is literally mm. what it is they're turning themselves into a product because all these celebrities that we watch um you know that we see on the screen they are products they are products selling yes. uh an Absolutely. ideology so when your children want this hairstyle or they want their hair cut like you know this actress or this um you know um, singer or something like that that's that's what they're doing but for them they see that as something like oh this is what's happening now but the reality is and, and it's it's like what came to my mind when you was talking about that story was just that well you know the the reaction from the, the from the boys and young men is that you know they're interested in products whatever the product may be whether it's a girl whether it's you know a car whatever it is and we know it as well like for the longest time now women have been used to advertise um products that are geared towards men so they, they themselves as i said they, they they become part of the product themselves or products in and of themselves that's how men start seeing women and this is what is affecting relationships um in you know um because like he said the girls are uh, investing in you know these kind of boyfriend girlfriend relationships on a level where the boys are not because they're having to sacrifice a lot more of themselves and um, change mm. things about themselves which for them they think that that's going to get them something like this kind of prize or this this love or whatever it is appreciation which where the boys are really kind of not giving that and, and obviously as you mentioned there's other things where you know sometimes in rebellion towards that idea a girl will maybe think well oh the problem is the boy himself then men are like this and you know um yeah. you know, so so because men are misogynistic so then she'll become a lesbian for example or you know the gender identity thing where you know she decides she doesn't even want to be a girl anymore so oh i'm not a girl i'm a boy or i'm i'm neither 
you know, and subhanAllah, I've heard some things online which are beyond ridiculous. Um, you know, females saying things like, I'm trigender, so I'm 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 a male and I'm a female and, and I'm neither at the same time. It's just like, you know, never in our wildest dreams, you know, when we were in school, at times when, you know, a, a girl, if she was, you know, if somebody even suspected maybe that she was a lesbian or something like that, for example, it would be like, you know, it's, it was still a taboo at those times, you know, like I'm talking like 20 years, 20 plus years ago when we were in school, like, you know, something like yeah. that, was just like, you know, it was something taboo. Was it? And if the girl, whether the girl was or not, it wasn't something she was going to, you know, flaunt proudly, you know, but now it's just like, you know, you, you've got people saying the most ridiculous things. So subhanAllah, like it's, it's incomprehensible to even think. And obviously if this is, this is how mental health has been, you know it's it's broken down to such a level now like we're in such a a state where you know the mind has been um you know it shows how the mind can be manipulated to such a level where subhanallah people can deny like what is actual reality subhanallah it's like looking in the mirror and seeing yourself but saying that it isn't yourself similar to when you know the days when we was in school most of the common problems for example um, with mental health and identity was anorexia or bulimia you know and that was a thing obviously you know that was you know even you know for for those of us who wasn't going through that um you know that fitna um, when we knew girls who for example did have those issues we would think well how can she think that she's fat like look how skinny she is you know and we have the exactly mm. the same now, you know. But it's in the but it's it's with genders, you know what I mean. So it, it's gone from literal one extreme to the next because, and I don't. It's like it's funny, you, you you hear about things now with gender ideology and all this kind of stuff. You wonder what happened to bulimia and anorexia and if people are still actually suffering from those things. <laughs> you know it's it's it's, yeah. it's so it's like from frying pan to fire. It literally it's gone like beyond. You know, and how do you even come back from that? Because obviously there's, you know, it's it's, it's a real extremity where, you know, if, if these things are being um, almost, you can say, nurtured, these thoughts are being nurtured in people where they're encouraged to pursue these ideas. You know, in you know, back in our time, we would never, you would never hear any doctor encouraging a girl to, you know, starve herself or to, you know, make herself vomit after eating these kind of things. It was, you know, the opposite, trying to get her as much help as possible or, or the or the boy as much help as possible to stop doing that to themselves because it was damaging themselves. Now young people are being encouraged to take hormones and cut off this body part and that body part so you know these are the things that you know muslim parents they need to be aware of they need to be talking to their children to check their mental health because partner you know and you know there's so many so many so many layers and so many things that could be causing you know the lead up to having these kind of issues you know it could be and and i think a lot of it happens when there's a disconnect with the family but sometimes it's not even that sometimes it's just you know having a a a very big influence from outside of the family or outside of the the community itself maybe somebody has managed to get to that child and um, you know kind of groomed them into thinking in a particular way and um what reminds me of that as well is that um, even the case with that Shamima Begum which we had um you know the girl who who ran off to ISIS you would think like how is it that she managed to end up doing that you know um, yeah. it, these are extreme cases and but it's not on it's not uncommon these are happening these are happening inside the homes of parents they don't know what their children are getting up to, subhanAllah. And there's some par- some parents who have worked very hard in raising their children well and try to have connection with their kids and, you know, be there for them and give them that support. But still, subhanAllah, these are some of the fitness that, you know, we're being tested with in our time. So we shouldn't neglect, you know, just because we are even making our best efforts, we shouldn't neglect the fact that it's, it's still a possibility that, you know, these things could happen hmm yeah I I completely agree I think yeah that parents just need to I hope you know inshallah that my, my book is just like a stepping stone to help parents yes. and girls to then you know one shine a light on the issues um and then get help about to to to, to change the situation because alhamdulillah we can all make mistakes 
you know, shaitan is constantly whispering, but we have Islam there to find a way through, you know. So even if some a teenager has like I so I talk about whether it's drug addiction, pornography, having, you know, a relationship outside of, you know, before you're getting married, these can all happen and they're happening. So how can we help our girls to get through that and then, you know, you know, get back on their feet as well, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. So um, I would like to, inshallah, before we end or like just round up this interview, if you could just briefly mention um, the other books that you've written as well, because I just think it's important for the listeners to know, you know, of the other things that you have put out there, because mashallah, you're doing a lot of work, Allah for the community in this regard, especially regarding, um, you know, females and, you know, sisters now to, you know, how we can be better and smarter Muslims. And you do have, you do have your podcast as well. So if you could just briefly kind of summarize and those other things so that people are aware of them inshallah yeah so the other book that I've written is hands off our hijab and that was after the you know when France banned the wearing of um, hijab for under 18s and so that book really was to to really um, each chapter goes through a different different aspect where Muslims are criticized about hijab so the idea that um okay the firstly to explain why did the ban happen that, that was and it's happening and there's a chapter by a sister who lives in India who she explains the bans that are happening in India and then there's also the whole looking at the whole concept of modest fashion and how um the you know capitalist industry you know economy and has really taken our hijab and sexualized it and then they're selling it back to us and so we need to be aware of that like before we jump onto that bandwagon uh, and then there's also that we're told you don't even have to wear hijab it's not fair that doesn't say so in the quran you know there's that famous um, youtube ted talk by um a muslim woman who she she who has no she's has absolutely no islamic Subhanallah, she can't even say the word Quran properly. So I don't know why anybody. <laughs> yeah. Like Subhanallah, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. She came. She came with zero evidence. At yes. Subhanallah. Exactly. And it's really so taking those different aspects, and really just saying when, you know, don't take your understanding of hijab modesty, um, how to cover. Don't take it from these liberal non-muslims or muslims because they are not interested in, in what the quran's doing. they really aren't absolutely so sister what about your other book you had i think a book about um uh questions about marriage or something like that oh yeah so then there's smart single muslimer which is for um again it's for the, looking at the problem of why muslim women are finding it difficult to get married and so it's really looking at the ideas within our community, but then also, so for example, in our community, we've got racism, we've got um, the whole idea of nationalism. You know, there's certain things that are barriers that we have put in the way of getting married. We're making it more difficult than Alert and his messenger made to get married. And this is, so racism and um, nationalism, and then there's ageism as well, mm-hmm. that they are, th- so... I just discuss them because what can happen is if you don't have, you know, um, if we don't have enough knowledge about our deen, we can then think, oh, um, you know, being um, when our, say, for example, when parents say to their daughters, oh, you can only marry a Pakistani, yeah. they can think that comes from Islam. And what I wanted to, because I wanted, wanted to say was, no, that's not from Islam. That is that is non-islam frankly that's some colonialism gave us our borders Mm -hmm. that is something and you know the whole idea of age ageism again okay everyone can choose who they marry and what age but to say you know what age the the point is once someone's reached puberty once you know they're mature they that's what islam says as far as getting married you know you need to know about Mm-hmm. so putting these caps on marriage you know even the whole idea of divorce again that somehow if you get divorced you can't get married again yeah. or it's you don't want to marry a divorcee mm-hmm. again that's not from islam mm-hmm. so um but then there's also ideas such as 
you know, um, feminism, which has had such a big impact on our views of marriage. And unless a marriage is based on pure equality, which doesn't even exist, Mm -hmm. that we're going to, we're being encouraged to reject uh, the roles, the husband and wife roles that Allah has given us. Mm -hmm. And so, so that was really to, um, you know, and then there's this whole idea of men are trash. That's that's like the hashtag that, that has affected all women. Mm -hmm. So, that was really for a woman who's finding it difficult or is thinking of getting married. It was something for her to read and think, okay, have I adopted or have my parents or adopted ideas that that is the reason why I'm finding it difficult. And then we need to then kind of, it's like we have to unlearn so much. Basically. Um, so, yeah, so they were the two. I also written a book on um, child loss because um that was really uh what is my son passed away when he was 15 and um that was really just to give help other parents who've gone through the same situation as me because again what I found was there were many books written by Christian women on the idea on the whole experience of child loss but again I want to show there's so many hadith and you know the prophet he experienced this himself and I found so much solace it's the only thing that got me through it um and I thought let me just share that with my fellow parents and if it helped and I money from that goes towards um building wells in in drought areas in the Muslim world so that's something that was the first book I ever wrote and I really um alhamdulillah really liked it was it really helped me mm-hmm. and that's what kind of got me into them writing my other books mm-hmm. alhamdulillah definitely a big inspiration to me and um i'm sure an inspiration to a lot of the other sisters and i hope that inshallah sisters listening will feel encouraged to try to you know do more work in their communities as well as much as as much as they are able and you know nothing that you do sisters is too small you know anything that you can do for the sake of Allah even in a little if it's consistent inshallah you will be rewarded abundantly for it because we really are in desperate need of you know keeping our communities together as much as possible um you know and to follow the Quran and the Sunnah as much as possible inshallah because you know children and you know young people and even people our age we're not we're not any better off necessarily you know we're still being affected all around from different things and if we're not aware and we close our eyes to the issues that are happening it's not going to help us because ignorance isn't bliss subhanallah you know that's what a lot of some some people they seem to think that you know that's going to help them but it really it doesn't so um we're reminding the sisters who are listening inshallah um sister farhad's book is available on amazon rights and you also said google is it google play store um uh, google play books yeah so books, just right. type in smart teenage muslima and you'll find it inshallah okay and inshallah you mentioned also that's going to be available on the book depository also inshallah so please sisters check out sister farhad's books um definitely beneficial and necessary alhamdulillah she's striving hard for the sake of Allah trying to you know do work in the community which is beneficial for us so let's make the most of it and also as I said we shouldn't stop there we have to try ourselves to also make our own um, effort and input but at the least we can do is support the sisters and brothers also who are doing the work already inshallah um any final closing thoughts sister well, I'd just like to, let's, we need to do the for the ummah, for our families, for our children. And yeah, really, I think you, what you said about supporting the work or the Islamic work of people who are speaking about these things, because as we all know, the, the books, or even just, if we just say popular culture, it's the, the amount of funding they get to um, convey these ideas and promote these Islamic ideas to our youth. They, they run in the millions and so we we need to give support by doing the war that's the most important thing and then supporting whether it's through you know through buying the books leaving a review sharing it with your friends and family you know I um I also have a patreon page for the mean that these are these are the ways that we'll because uh, everything takes time and effort and if we if some people don't have the time to write or to make videos but if you support the people who are then alhamdulillah you will share in the reward exactly. that, that's um alhamdulillah that that would be brilliant for you inshallah 
Inshallah, inshallah. Barakallah feekum, sister. Thank you so much for giving your time today. It's been a pleasure talking to you again. Alhamdulillah, I really benefited. Barakallah feekum. Inshallah, if you enjoyed this podcast, then I would like to invite you to become a paid subscriber. When you become a subscriber, you can unlock exclusive podcast episodes just for you. And inshallah, your support will mean that I can continue this service, which I've been providing for free for many years. And Inshallah, we really need more Islamic podcasts that discuss the challenges that Muslim women and girls face. So hit the subscribe button today and instantly you will get access to so many more episodes. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.